This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. <laughs> up what's up how we doing how we doing and welcome to episode 178 episode 178 of the banner banter podcast i am your host and favorite boston celtics season ticket holder timmy g how's everyone doing how was your fucking memorial day weekend oh yes 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 Okay, calm down. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banter Podcast. And as you know, part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Boston Uncommon with Joe Mass, 30 Flirty and Surviving, Burnt Toast, Music You're Missing, A Chance to Strive, Rambling with a Purpose, The Hobby, BeFit, and so many other great podcasts. And of course, if you're into sports cards, as you should be, because Jason Tatum rookie cards are probably skyrocketing price-wise as we speak, you can always check out Big night breaks every single weeknight facebook youtube whatnot instagram personals group breaks you name it they got it and if you don't want to do it online head down to patriot place down at foxborough massachusetts check out the card vault and get some cards there and you can always get free tickets for timmy ticket tuesday at big night media on instagram follow it like it comment on it on what show you uh you want to see at big night live and you can always get your banner branch podcast merchandise at bignightshop.com if you don't want to get your banner branch podcast merchandise uh i i I get it because i am wearing my 2022 nba finals hat with the boston celtics logo on it gives me nba on nbc vibes you know anyways 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 now before we begin wow sorry i didn't come out with a podcast on Monday, because, well, I don't think I slept, and uh, I wanted to make sure I gave you 100%, no yelling, no drinking, none of it, just stone cold, perfect, fantastic, 110%, perfect NBA Finals preview, but the watch party on Sunday for Game 7 at Big Night Live was absolutely incredible. Thank you to Green Runs Deep for putting it kind of all together and marketing the living hell out of it with his... I don't know, 4 million Instagram followers, his buddy Babs for helping out, uh, the staff at Big Night Live to come in on a holiday weekend. Very, very much appreciative. And then, of course, all the fans that showed up. The place was wild. Thank you again. We were hoping to do some more for the NBA Finals when the Celtics are on the road. But, yeah, what a, what a great time. So stay tuned for more details on that on my Instagram, my Twitter, at Banner Banter Podcast, or Banner Banter 18 on Twitter, and GRD will be throwing it on his uh, Instagram and all that stuff too. So, but wow. Wow, wow, wow. 
the Boston Celtics are going to the NBA Finals. The first time, what is it, season four for me, season five, who knows, who cares? The Boston Celtics are going to the NBA Finals. I was so happy last night. I think I cried a dozen times. I don't think I slept. What a win. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. To do that on the road in Miami. This is I'm, this is going to be a very intense podcast. It's going to um, you know hopefully make it a lot of fun, but it, this is a big deal. The Boston Celtics are in the NBA Finals. I'm going to give you a full preview of the series, my prediction, the whole nine yards. It'll probably be about 24, 25 minutes long, not like the 11-minute one from last week or from the other day. I will also be doing podcasts the morning after every single game. Obviously, Game 6 was a little different because I was heartbroken. And then Game 7, I absolutely lost my mind. There was no shot I was doing it again. But Friday, Monday, podcast will be out the morning after every single playoff game, and I'll probably won't sleep for the next three weeks. But 100-96 to in Miami Game 7. Wow. I mean, another road win. They have yet to lose back-to-back games since January, which is absolutely insane. Jason Tatum won the first-ever Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals MVP. You love to see it. And a fun fact for you, Jason Tatum's first 68 games in the playoffs, he's 39-29, and and Michael Jordan was 37-31. and So take that home and chew it. Yeah, it's delicious. But I'm not going to really dive deep into Game 7 and give you a recap because I think the NBA Finals are so much more important. It was obviously an incredible series to go seven games. Uh, But I do have a few things to say. First off, Jimmy Butler. I would take Jimmy Butler on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday. What a competitor. He played all 48 minutes. Like He knew that he had an opportunity to win the game with that three-pointer that, in my opinion, is still in the air because that was the longest shot that has ever happened in my life to go from the hand to the rim. It was like... Like, it was... Oh, my God. it It was absolutely insane. But I could watch Jimmy Butler play basketball all day. It's old school, 90s hoops, what I grew up in. And he he took it like a champ. He's like, yeah. I lost the game. My teammates were cool with it, and I would take that shot 100 times out of 100. So, so much respect to Jimmy Butler. Fuck Kyle Lowry, though. Fuck Kyle Lowry. I hate him so much. If you can flop and be more of an actor than Marcus Smart, you have serious issues. I hate him so, so, so much. So glad he's going home. Fuck Kyle Lowry. And then, hey, you know what, number 12? You started off strong, and then you played like absolute dog shit, but you were on the floor. When they closed out the game, when Rob was hurt, hopefully Rob can enjoy these few days off. And the fact that <clears throat> there's only one game where it's every other night is absolutely incredible. And we'll talk about the schedule in a little bit. But number 12, you, hey, you close out the game. Props to you, bud. Props to you. But listen, I was very impressed with the fact that the Celtics led the whole game. They took punch after punch after punch after punch on the road and then punched back every single time better than ever. And folks... I've been saying it all series, and I said it on episode 177, turnovers. If the Celtics have less than 15 turnovers, they are going to win the basketball game. They had 13, and they are now 12-2 and in the playoffs with 15 turnovers or less. I'm not even going to talk about the turnover situation when I talk about the NBA Finals preview in a couple minutes, but folks, if the Celtics take care of the basketball, they're really fucking hard to beat. And then I also talked about offensive rebounding. They only allowed seven. 
something I, again, I begged for all series, and they did it on the road in Game 7 with a shot at the NBA Finals. Man, but what I, but what I really and truly loved about this, and I and I don't think it's going to be talked about enough, but I loved how much the Celtics pushed the ball early. Like Ime was yelling at players, even Tatum was like, "Run, go!" waving his arms around. They, the Celtics are a team that plays at a very slow pace, but they had 20 fast break points in this game. They pushed and pushed and pushed all night long, and it really worked out. But one thing that I will never figure out for the life of me until the day I die. When the Heat went on that 11-0 run, when the Celtics were up like 15 or so, halfway through the floor with like three or four minutes left in that um, fourth quarter, why didn't Ime call a fucking timeout? Like, listen, I'm a Brad Stevens guy. We all know this. I thought it was the players, not the coaches. But listen, the players needed a different voice, and Ime has done an absolutely incredible job this year as a rookie coach to come in to win two game sevens to and now be in the NBA Finals as a former player. I I was a big fan of him to begin with, but wow. Wow. But I think that him not calling a timeout was legitimately like a fireable offense. Like, why, like why wouldn't you call a timeout? But you know what? He trusted his players. He trusted his team. And who knows? That could go a long way. That really and truly could. But they are going on to the NBA Finals. And it's also pretty crazy that... Ime Adoka played against Steph Curry back in the day when Ime was on the Kings. Like, isn't that wild? Just absolutely wild. So, here we go. The Boston Celtics are going to the NBA Finals. This will be their 22nd appearance in the NBA Finals where they are 17-4. They have an overall record of 77-52 in the NBA Finals. And the last time the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics met in the NBA Finals was back in 1963. And yes, it was Bill Russell versus Wilt Chamberlain, which is really cool. And the Celtics won that four games to one. But this schedule is long. It's dragged out. So here we go. The Warriors do have home court because they have a um, they have the better regular season record. It's not by seeding because if that was the if that was the the way that it went, the Celtics would have home court because the Warriors were the three seed out west. Celtics were number two in the East, but it's regular season record. So if you're confused by that, there's your answer. So the first two games will be at the brand new Chase Center in San Francisco on Thursday, June second at nine p.m. and then Sunday, June fifth at eight p.m. Then we come back Wednesday, June eighth. Now, again, think about that. No game Friday or Saturday. Great for Rob. Great for Al. Great for Marcus. And great for everyone else that's hurt on this Boston Celtics team. And then they play Wednesday, June 8th at TD Garden at 9 p.m. Friday, June 10th at 9 p.m. That is the only time they have one day off for the entire series. Game 5, if necessary, isn't until Monday at the Chase Center in San Francisco. Game 6 would be back at TD Garden on June 16th, and then Game 7 would be Sunday, June 19th in San Francisco at the Chase Center. All of the games, except for the Sunday games, which would be Game 2 and Game 7, if necessary, will be at 8 p.m., but the rest of them will be at 9 p.m. So just two games at 8 p.m., the rest at 9 p.m. Got it? Good. So this year... Uh, these two teams played, what was it, twice. Yeah, these two teams played twice. First time was at TD Garden in December. Warriors won 111-107. The Warriors didn't even have Klay Thompson or Jordan Poole, but Romeo Lankford started for the Celtics in that game. Romeo Lankford. Romeo Lankford, if the Celtics win the NBA Finals, is getting a ring. Think about that. Think about how much that makes me angry. 
But anyways, and then the second time that they played was back in March. Uh, the Celtics won that 110-88, to but for those that remember, that was the game that Marcus Smart was diving after the loose ball, and he rolled over Steph Curry's foot, and Steph Curry missed like the final like two or three weeks of the season. Steve Kerr got super pissed and was freaking out at him. Steph Curry only played 13 minutes in that game, so like Jalen Brown didn't play in one game. Steph Curry only played in another game for 13 minutes, so it's really hard to kind of be like, who's better? But... Like, right off the bat, if you were to do, like, an NBA draft of, like, the top ten players of or the top five players of each team, like, it's really even when, when you think about it. You know, you let's say just based off these playoffs, you might go Jason Tatum before Steph Curry. Obviously, overall, you'd probably take Steph Curry one. So, you know, that let's say that's a tie. So let's say you go Jason, Steph, and then who do you take third? I'd probably take Jalen Brown and then Klay Thompson and then Marcus Smart and then Draymond Green. So it's literally like every other and then... Do you take Al Horford and then take Andrew Wiggins and then take Jordan Poole and then take Rob? So it's really even throughout that entire debate, and I think that's what's going to make this series so much fun. But when it comes to the bench, the Warriors bench has it. I mean, Looney, Lee, uh, Otto Porter Jr., if healthy, Gary Porter Jr. is back from his fractured elbow that he got during the Memphis Grizzlies series. Moody, they're all really good. And then the Celtics just have DW9, number 12, and... Uh, Peyton Pritchard maybe we see some Daniel Tice in this series who knows but their bench is deeper and it could be a huge factor in this series because they're going to be able to throw so much at the Celtics and they will have a whole week off which is absolutely crazy to think about because I think what was it last Thursday last Friday that the, the uh, Golden State Warriors beat the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals so that that's going to be huge and Gary Payton Jr. is a dog on the defensive end so that that the fact that they can throw pool at you and Wiggins and Draymond and Clay and Gary Payton Jr. just and even Otto Porter Jr. all pretty damn good defenders in the NBA is crazy. So stat wise, we know I'm a nerd with numbers. We we know that, right? So here's just some numbers based off of the playoffs so far. The Warriors have scored the most points in the playoffs per game so far. Third best field goal percentage, fourth best three point percentage top five in rebounding and number one in assists with 28 assists a game but they also have the fifth most turnovers so that's very interesting so just reading those numbers off the top I like I have a couple things that are really kind of sticking out for me number one is the 28 assists because 28 assists per game is wild and that is because the Warriors offense just doesn't stop moving it's insane like, you can get dizzy watching the Warriors' offense. There's just constant movement. Like, sometimes when you watch the Celtics and, you know, Tatum kind of has the ball at the top of the key and you're like, okay, when's his step back and everyone's just staring at him? That never happens with the Warriors. Constant movement. I mean, they also have a play where, like, Draymond will bring up the ball, Curry and Poole will go down, and they will literally, like, lock arms as they get screens from Wiggins and Clay Thompson on the post and kind of slingshot each other to come off of screens and do catch-and-shoot curl threes or at the elbow, whatever the case may be. And then if that doesn't work, Clay Thompson will come up, set a back screen for Draymond Green. If that doesn't work, he'll pop out and be ready for a three-pointer, and Clay Thompson's one of the best, like, th- um Oh, God, Tim, think. Like, you know, oh, God, what is it called? Three-point stance where you can either dribble, shoot, or pass the ball. And Clay Thompson's unbelievable at that. So it, it, it it's just absolutely crazy. And that whole, like, offensive set that I just talked about will only take, like, six or seven seconds. So next thing you know, there's still 11 or 12 seconds left in the shot clock. It's it's absolutely insane. And it they also get a lot of 
open looks off of shot fakes too. Like you thought that the Heat did shot fakes a lot, the Warriors do it more, and then they attack when they do it. They can they're really good at splitting defenders. So like if let's say Derek White's defending um, Steph Curry and Draymond comes over and Steph Curry like does a little hesitation move and Rob Williams goes flying in the sky because all he wants to do is block shots. Steph Curry will dribble between Draymond, Derek White, and Rob Williams get to the rim, but if all the Celtics players crash him, he'll kick it out, and next thing you know, Klay Thompson's standing for a wide-open corner three, which most likely he'll hit. So that's going to be something that the Celtics are really going to need to do. They're going to have to, their communication is going to have to be unbelievable. They're switching. They're sliding. All of that is going to have to be on par to keep up with this Warriors offense. It's just constant, constant, constant movement. Communication is going to be so key in this series defensively for the Celtics. And then the other thing, you know, think about those stats is like the the fact that this team is uh, top five in rebounding in the playoffs so far. I mean, the Warriors do not have a lot of length or height in general, and especially in this series. I mean, Al is taller than Draymond, Rob is taller than Looney, Tatum's taller than Wiggins. I mean, we can go on and on. So at that point, it's all about effort. So if the Celtics can limit the rebounding of the Warriors, it could be huge, especially if, you know, the Celtics can crash the offensive boards and get second chance points because the Warriors play a lot of small ball. They really do. So if the Celtics can use their height and size to their advantage, the Warriors might have to play basketball a completely different way that they're used to. So if if they don't want to have Draymond and Looney out there together, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you could see Daniel Tice a lot in this series, and I know that kind of scares people a little bit, but Daniel Tice was pretty good in that uh, Nets series because the, at times they were really small, and Daniel Tice came in and helped out in those type of situations. I can see a lot of lobs going to Rob. I can see a lot of ro- uh, lobs going to Daniel Daniel Tice, too, if, if he does play. I don't think Daniel Tice is going to play that much, but the Celtics can really use their height and size to their advantage. And for the Warriors that love to play Draymond at the five, I mean, Draymond might be a couple inches, maybe only one inch or who knows who the hell knows. I don't know everyone's height, but like he may be the same height as number 12, which is crazy to think about. So if you have Rob and Al out there, like offensively, it's great, but defensively it could be a problem. So who knows? But the positive about that is, is the, um, Oh my God, where was my train of thought going? Um, Oh, yeah, the, the Celtics have the second-best offense in the playoffs so far, and the Warriors are sixth. The Celtics have already beaten the Bucks, who at the time were the number one defensive team in the playoffs, and the Miami Heat, who at the time were the third-best defensive team in the playoffs. But in the regular season, the Celtics were obviously the number one defensive team based off defensive rating at 106.2, and then right behind them in second place at 106.6, Golden State Warriors. So the Golden State Warriors are a very, very, very good defensive team. Now, at, at times, you know, they, they let John Morant cook for a couple games. They let Luka cook for a couple games. But what I'm about to talk about right now, like this could be something that is very, very important going forward and is actually a bad flaw of the Warriors' defense. The Celtics have allowed nine made three-pointers on average per game in the playoffs. The Warriors have, a, have allowed 14 made three-pointers per game. Now, I'm not saying try to outshoot the Warriors, but the Warriors do allow a lot of open three-pointers. And I'm really interested on how they're going to defend Jason Tatum, and that could open up a lot more three-pointers. So how are the Warriors going to defend Jason Tatum? Are they going to put Draymond Green on him? Incredible defender. One of the best to ever do it. He can guard spots one to five, just like Marcus, but obviously just a little bit bigger. I mean, 
Will he be all over Jason Tatum, or will it be Andrew Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins played a lot on Luka in the Mavs series and did a very good job at him. I don't want to say, like, controlling him, because I feel like Luka scored, like, 30 points every single time. But if that was anyone else, you know, maybe Luka scores 40, 42 points, and it's a different series. But Jason Tatum is also taller than Andrew Wiggins, so that's an advantage because Luka was shorter than Andrew Wiggins, and you know we remember the IT4 days back in the day. If you put a long defender on IT4, he's kind of screwed, so that's definitely an advantage. But either way, Tatum is going to get blitzed and trapped a lot, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the Warriors defend on what they do based on what Tatum usually does, like his, um, his tendencies, if you will, if he gets blitzed a lot does he throw a cross-court pass so are they always going to have someone in the corner are they always just going to have someone in the middle of the court to be able to run to the corner that's closer to Tatum or does he throw it a lot to the top of the key and then they can try and go after the ball and get a steal and go for an easy layup so that's going to be very 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 interesting but you obviously have to feel a little bit confident going into this series if you're the Boston Celtics because they have the best record against the Warriors since 2014 they're 9-7, and seven, which I know isn't crazy, but hey, the series is only seven games. So if you go 4-3 four, four and three in the series, you, you win the NBA championship and you're raising banner 18. But what's even more impressive is the Celtics have won four straight road games against the Warriors, which is insane because the Warriors are usually one of the better, if not the best, home teams in the NBA. So before we close out the podcast, there are five things that I'm looking for in this series. How do the Celtics handle this moment? The Warriors team has won, what, three NBA Finals? I think that's how many Steph Curry has won. Like this group, I know the Warriors have won more than that from back in the day. But this team won. They've seen rock bottom, given you know, given up that 3-1 lead against the Cavs, the Klay Thompson injuries, the fact that they were in the play-in last year. They know how to play at this type of level. So experience is going to be huge in this series. So just think about it. The Celtics finally just got over the hump after what seemed like 29 million years just to win the Eastern Conference Finals, and they finally did it. Are they ready for this moment? Is Ime ready for this moment? It's going to be very interesting to see how the Celtics handle all the pressure, all the media, all the celebrity on the court. I think Jason Tatum kind of strives in these type of moments, but we'll see. The second is the bench. The bench is going to be so important in this series. I know I talked about it in a little bit, but like number 12 is going to have so many open corner threes in this series. He shot terribly in the Heat series, so maybe he's due because, you know, obviously he had that crazy game against the Bucks. But DW9 is going to have to stalk Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. He will probably run literally a Boston Marathon worth every single game. He's got to be physical with them, but run around, switch it up, go under screens, go around screens, put your hand up, because Steph Curry has one of the most ridiculous and quickest releases we'll ever see of all time. It, it, it's absolutely crazy. Number three for me, what is number three for me? Where are my notes? Oh yeah, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has to make the right plays. He doesn't need 25 shots a night. He just has to make the right plays. Like I mentioned earlier, Tatum is is going to have to make the right plays because he's going to get blitzed a lot and trapped a lot in this series. But there are a lot of times last night, like he had a great pass to Mar- uh, Grant Williams. You know, he got the ball in the fast break. He knew that a trap was coming, threw it up to him. Grant Williams got the layup. And I know I just said Grant Williams, and he deserves at least a mention of his full name because they did make the finals. But we all know I will stop saying number 12 if they do win the NBA finals. But those type of situations... 
if Jason Tatum averages five assists or more in this series, the Celtics offense is going to be very, very successful, and it's going to help them tremendously in this series. Number four, close out quarters for the love of God. The Warriors are a plus 94 in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. That's right. In the fourth quarter of the playoffs, the Warriors have outscored their opponents by 94 points, but they are minus seven in the first three quarters. So again, that's very important. So I, if, how can I say this the right way? If the Celtics are up eight in the third quarter with three minutes to go, it's got to be 12. It can't be four. It can't be five. It can't be six. You got to finish those quarters out strong. I mean, the Warriors are eight and no after leading, or yeah, the Warriors are eight and no when leading after the first three quarters. So the Warriors can score ten points like that, snap of a finger in like a minute. It's nuts and it's going to happen, but you cannot get shook by it at all. And then finally, say it with me. Jalen Brown is the most important player in this series. Jalen Brown, in my opinion, is the third best player in this series. But he has to be the most important player for the Celtics. I honestly think if the Celtics can win this series, Jalen Brown will be finals MVP if the Celtics win this. I really and truly think that. He has to limit his turnovers, though. He can't put his shoulder down every single time he drives to the hoop. He's got to keep his head up, look around, kick it out, make Better decisions, kind of like Tatum has throughout the entire year. Jalen has to be confident with his shot, and he has to defend better than he did against Giannis and Butler. And I know he can, and I know he will. Jalen's defense is going to be sneaky important in this series, too. His defense on Klay Thompson or Jordan Poole, Gary Payton Jr., all those guys are going to be very, very important. So Jalen's defense, his turnovers, just Jalen Brown overall is going to be so goddamn important. So, my prediction? Well... I said Celtics in six in round one, and I was wrong because they swept the Nets. I said Celtics in seven in round two against the Bucs, and I was right. And then I said Celtics in six in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I was wrong. So I guess I'm due. So I'm going to say Celtics in six, and we're raising Banner 18 in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's that. Oh, also, Al Horford, I love you. Congratulations. I'm so happy you made the NBA Finals. I'm so sorry about your loss with your grandfather. I know you're not listening to this, but whatever. You're awesome. I'm so glad you came back to be part of this this team. Seriously. So that is it for episode 178 of the Banner Banter podcast. The next podcast will be out the morning after game one of the NBA Finals on Friday night at 9 p.m. against the Golden State Warriors and your very own Boston Celtics. Thanks so much for listening as always. We will talk to you on Friday morning. Enjoy the week. Stay safe. Celtics pride. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. I can't believe they're going to the NBA Finals. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.